0: This is a season of Advent. Advent, in its most basic terms, means coming. Something is arriving. Someone is arriving. It's a season in which we wait upon Jesus' arrival, and that takes on a number of different meanings. Uh, we remember that uh, two thousand years ago, uh, creation, Israel, and creation awaited the birth of. The Savior, Jesus, was coming into the world. We also remember that Jesus is presently coming into this world. He is currently, as he prayed, God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom is coming into this world in the present. And we wait upon a future coming, the second coming, in which Jesus will restore all things and all things will be made right. During the season of Advent, we remember a number of aspects of of Jesus coming into this world and continuing to come into this world. Uh, today, we'll focus our attention on peace. You know, waiting upon peace in this world is not an easy task. In fact, I think waiting in general is kind of a challenging posture uh, for most of us. You might be aware, uh, not all Amazon packages come in two days anymore. It can, take, it can take three or four days to get a package from Amazon these days. I mean, it's got me so frustrated, I'm considering shopping local occasionally, (laughs) you know? Uh, Yeah, but we're bad at waiting. I mean, honestly, I do get anxious and frustrated when I have to wait on things. In fact, yesterday uh, was uh, the first day uh, we were able to go snowboarding this season. And, uh, we headed out and it was a, a nice day. There was no snow on the road. It was clear we got up there and it just dumped snow the whole day. So that means at 3.30 heading home that evening, the, the roads are covered in snow and there's no sand down. And, uh, I got to exercise waiting patiently. As I was in a 20-car pileup, up uh, uh, not pile-up, there's no accident, the problem was someone driving between 8 and 16 miles an hour for 50 miles down the mountain. It was absolutely atrocious. And I know the irony in this illustration on waiting because some of you are probably feeling sympathy for that person driving, you know, 8 to 16 miles an hour, right? Some of you will agree to disagree. It was the wrong way to do it. And I had to wait. But I did so, t- so tactfully. If you would have seen my poise, uh, for that hour long trip down the mountain, oh, you'd have been really impressed. Uh, peace was hard to come, peace was hard to come by yesterday. Uh, as it is, I think, in all of our lives. So today we're going to spend some time in scripture exploring how Jesus has brought peace into this world and how we are invited as followers of Jesus to know peace and in fact to be peace in this world. We'll talk a little bit more about it in a moment. Let's start by defining peace this morning. Uh, peace uh, is absolutely the absence of war. And we live in a time in which wars are raging throughout the world. Where there is not war, there is violence and oppression throughout the world. We live in a world desperate for peace, the absence of war and violence. However, biblically, peace uh, is, is a much broader concept than just the absence of war. Um, In the Old Testament, the word shalom. In the New Testament, uh, the Greek word irene. uh, Both of these have a much broader concept than just the lack of war. They absolutely mean that. But in addition, uh, the scripture speaks to the idea of completeness and wholeness. Peace is not just the absence of evil or war or violence, but instead, uh, peace refers to completeness and wholeness. And so today we explore uh, this idea that Jesus brought into this world new peace, not just the absence of war, because in fact, we still see war around us today. However, something more complete, even more full than just that absence, which, by the way, will come in his second coming. And in the season of Advent, we pray for and rejoice knowing that peace, the absence of violence, will come in this world. So I want to set the stage a little bit as we explore this idea of how is Jesus' peace in this world, peace to this world. Uh, God, we'll kind of do a little quick overview of Old Testament Scripture that leads us to this moment that Jesus' peace comes into this world. Um, seeing the brokenness, sin, and pain in this world, uh, God made a covenant with a man named Abraham early in your Bibles, uh, he he makes this covenant with Abraham saying, I'm going to bless you, but there's a purpose for my blessing. I'm going to bless you that you might be a blessing to all nations, that all the world might receive blessings through you. And so, in fact, Abraham's descendants became the nation of Israel, and God blessed them brought them up out of slavery after a difficult season in Egypt, and he brought them to the Promised Land where they became a sovereign nation, and kings like King David ruled over them, and they celebrated what God had done in their life. But in addition to the celebrating, uh, there was a lot of disobedience, and in time, kind of forgetting the ways of God and the nation of Israel going in its own directions, and there were, of course, consequences to that. And after exile, after being carted off to Babylon and other nations as nations took over Israel. Uh, the prophets came and they began to say, but hope is coming. A, a king in the line of David will be restored to our nation. No, there is a savior, a Messiah that is coming. But by the time Jesus would come into the world, even those voices of the prophets had all but stilled. You see, Israel found itself in a place desperate for Peace. Rome was a ruling uh, power, and in, in fact, Rome had conquered most of the known world at this point, uh, ruled in oppressive ways. Uh, Israel was able to set up kind of uh, a, a farce of a king, but ultimately Rome ruled. Rome received the taxes. Israel was desperate for peace and new hope in this season, and so Jesus was born into this moment in history. Jesus was born into a time in which a power like Rome ruled the world in harsh and cruel ways. And Jesus, born into this world, didn't meet really any of the expectations of the Israelite people, right? He he was to be the Prince of Peace. He was to be peace in this world. And yet here we still are experiencing the violence of an oppressor, of a power that we can't really fight against. And Jesus comes into this world and he lives the life of a, of a pacifist. You see, there was sects of Judaism uh, throughout history, throughout the season, some called the zealots, who would try to raise up armies to overthrow Rome, thinking we've got to become a sovereign nation again to receive the blessing of God. Others said we need to refine ourselves to receive the blessing of God and become a sovereign nation. It's the chicken or the egg conversation. And Israel was confused, and there was not peace in their political systems, in their religious systems, in their lives. There was an incredible lack of peace, and Jesus, born into this world, not looking at all like King David, like they thought he would, lives the life of a pacifist. He doesn't take up the sword. He doesn't fight against the oppression or the rulers. Instead, he speaks of God's upside-down kingdom coming into this world. He submits even to death on a cross. His culminating uh, act that brings hope in our lives was not one of power or authority in the sense that we would think, but instead submitting even to death on a cross. And God brought redemption through that. So Jesus is born into the season in which Israel and the world is desperate for peace. And the question is, how did Jesus um, bring peace into the world? There's two primary aspects, and we're going to look at a couple passages that that deal with this. In Colossians chapter 1. We're going to identify that Jesus, in his sacrifice, brings peace between humanity and God. That is, there was a separation. Sin had brought a separation. And and look at the story of Israel, the separation they had experienced from God due to the consequences of their sin and their uh, ill intent towards God. And so, so the idea here in Colossians that we'll read in just a moment is that that Jesus' sacrifice brings peace between humanity and God. It reads like this, Colossians 1:17. He is before all things, speaking of Jesus, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in him, uh so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You see the, the argument this author is writing to a church in Colossae in the first century revolves around what has Jesus accomplished on the cross. And, and, and the idea here is that Jesus has brought peace between God and humanity, that what was once a separation and a void between us has been closed, that Jesus in his sacrifice has made peace, that we might enter the presence of God, that we might experience his love and reconciliation in new ways because of what Jesus has accomplished. So first of all, uh, Jesus brings peace into the world by bringing peace between God and humanity. But secondly, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, we read of uh, Jesus' sacrifice also bringing peace between nations, peace between humanity and humanity. Ephesians 2.13 says this, uh, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near, He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we have access to the Father by one Spirit. It's a beautiful text in which it describes that Jesus has broken down the the walls of hostility, the reasons that we might fight wars or other People, You see, what it describes as the two is the nation of Israel who was to be isolated in a respect, who was to be this beautiful light in the world that other nations might see God's love and goodness through them, and then all the other nations, the others, right? And still today, we see these divisions and these walls of hostility and these ways of thinking of us versus them of them as the others. And what the author here in Ephesians is describing is that in Jesus' sacrifice, there are no more walls that are valid. Jesus came for you just as much as me and just as much for them. And in fact, them is the wrong word. It's all of us that Jesus came for. Now, Jesus in his ministry spoke of peace, and as we consider Jesus as peace in this world, let's listen to his words, both passages out of the the Gospel of John. In John 14, beginning in verse 25, uh, Jesus is speaking, he says, all this I have spoken while still with you. And the things that he's been speaking about is the hope that God is bringing into the world, the kingdom of God. He's been speaking of his crucifixion and what it would accomplish. He says, I've spoken all these while I was with you, but the advocate, verse 26, the advocate The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus, speaking to his closest followers, makes a rich, rich promise. Uh, there will be trouble. There will be struggle in this world. In fact, that'll be the next passage we read in John. But Jesus promises an advocate. He promises an agent of peace that might live in our lives. I leave you, the Holy Spirit, and you will find peace. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and I don't believe I have it on the screen for you but just listen to to the text uh, do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in christ jesus i chose this not as my primary text today but this is a rich passage that you might want to spend time in this week it's philippians 4 beginning in verse 6 don 't be anxious, but instead, turn to God in prayer, present your request to Him, and experience the peace that is greater than any any circumstance, any understanding that you might be able to conceive this peace is greater than all of that. And that's the promise Jesus was making back in the text in John 14. I'm going to leave this peace with you. A peace stronger than any other force in this world. In John 16, Jesus continues, again, he says, these things I have told you, all that he's been teaching and doing, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And Jesus highlights this really interesting season in which we continue to find ourselves today. 2,000 years later, we still live in this juxtaposition, right? Jesus is peace, and peace is coming into this world, and yet we still see and experience violence around us. In terms of the kingdom, it's called the inaugurated kingdom. It is, and it is to come. It's both present and future. And we find ourselves in that same position as we consider the peace that Jesus is bringing into this world. It is. It has come. Jesus has come, and yet it is still coming in its fruition. And so the final movement today is this. We are invited to be agents of this peace coming into this world. We're going to go to Luke chapter 10. And it's a really interesting passage. Uh, Jesus, um, uh, sometime into his ministry, uh, has not just the 12 apostles, but hundreds and thousands of people following him at times. And we read a lot in Scripture about the apostles, the 12 that are closest to him. But there's this interesting story in Luke chapter 10 where he sends out the 72. It's like there's layers from the inner circle going out, but people connected to the ministry of Jesus that he is entrusting with his work in the world. In Luke chapter 10, uh, Jesus is sending these 72 out uh, to all these little villages, all these rural little places in Israel to go and proclaim good news that the kingdom of God is coming. And these are places that Jesus intends to visit in the future, and, and yet in this interim, his followers, his people, will be agents to go out and to begin to share this hope and this good news. I hope this kind of resonates with our place as the church in this world, those people coming ahead of Jesus' second coming. Jesus is coming to these neighborhoods, coming to these places, and we are invited to go in and be agents of his peace and share good news with people around us. Listen to the text before I go further. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out uh, like wolves, I'm sorry, like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there. Eat and drink whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move from house to house. Okay, I want to hone in on this really quirky and interesting concept of people of peace that we see revealed in this. Jesus is sending out his followers to a town. And notice these, or understand these are small, remote, little little villages, rural places that he's sending them. There's not not big centers or hubs or places for them together or organizations operating within these communities. He says just knock on a door. Offer them the peace that comes through Christ. And if they are people of peace, they'll invite you in. It's very practical. Yeah, go ahead and stay there. Don't go on. If they're offering you food and a place to stay, go ahead and just stay there. That's, that's a good place to be. That you might know each other's peace. The peace that comes through communion with Christ. So he speaks of these people of peace. Uh, find them in a in a place and reside there. Do you know people of peace in your life? If you think around about think think about your, your friendships, your work relationships, family members. Can you identify people that you would say, Yeah, that's a person of peace? I, I offer, I extend, and I receive peace from the life of that person. People of peace can be hard to find. I remember middle school uh fairly well. I was not great at finding and participating uh, in life with people of peace in that season. And yet I, I think about myself and many friends and us. I'm not sure we've gotten much better. As I think about the way our society works and the things we surround ourselves, the news feed or, or the podcast that I listen to every morning, how I'm just inundated with the drama and chaos around me by these things. I'm like, am I really just resting in places of peace where Christ is inviting me to participate in what he's doing in this world? It can be incredibly challenging to find people of peace in our lives, and yet I think you know them when you see them. Let me clarify one thing. None of us are perfect. Being a person of peace doesn't mean you operate perfectly in every moment and situation. I am far from a person of peace if that is the definition by which we have to operate. I was not a person of peace driving back from White Pass yesterday, right? So, so we're not looking for perfection. What we're asking is, is, is the Spirit? Is Christ doing a work in this person? And is there a reciprocal peace that we're invited to rest in? to be in in the lives of people. You'll know people of peace when you come across them. You'll experience kindness in the place of anger. You'll witness patience in difficult times. You'll witness a warmth that's hard to define but easy to see. You know what I mean? Those kinds of people that you just recognize, wow, that's someone I want to be around. And if you're a little bit deeper uh, in, in the spiritual realm, you'll say, wow, that's someone God has really done a work in and continuing to do a work in. People of peace. Who are the people of peace in your life? I think in the season in which we uh, we know of, we witness the peace that is coming into this world, but in juxtaposition with the violence that we see and the oppression we see, Christ is inviting us to know people of peace in our lives, that together we might be People of peace in the lives of others. You know, whereas the 72 sent out by Jesus were called to just go and knock on a random door and see if it's a person of peace. We live in a community of, I don't even know the latest number, 350,000 and growing, right? We, We live in a huge community with all sorts of organizations. We don't get to knock on many doors and meet people face to face. And I'm wondering what the parallel in our community looks like to finding people of peace. And it got me this week uh, kind of thinking through and exploring um, organizations and structures within our community that kind of represent this idea of people of peace, the places we ought to be residing and sharing meals and engaged in what God is doing in our community. And, uh, and as I thought about people of peace, or I'm going to change the language just slightly for the sake of this conversation, places of peace in our community right and these could be organizations these could be people it might literally just be a place where you see the spirit at work in this neighborhood or this park or this community of some sort at any rate places of peace in our community is the question I want to ask and my prayer is that we be one of those and I think in many ways we are we have a lot of growth to do as a as a church and and being a place of peace in our community But we've got our eyes fixed on it. I'm I'm very thankful for so many of you uh, that represent that in our community. The way you run your business or the way you engage in the office in which you work, the the ways you interact with your neighbors, we are invited to be people of peace that reciprocate the peace of Christ in this world. I was thinking about some of our community partners as a church, some of the people that, that you, through your generosity, get to partner with in this community uh places like grace kitchen and teen challenge and mere ministries i think of some of the events that that you guys put countless hours into and all sorts of finances like the summer kickoff where some 300 people from the community get to come and have a meal and laugh and, and play with their kids as they celebrate the beginning of the summer. These are things that represent a place of peace in this community where people get to see, without any strings attached, just get to see kind people. They get to witness people of peace and be either invited into that community or at least inspired. There's something special about those people. There's something special happening there. I think of a partnership that, that we've formed. Uh, Jamie's put a lot of work into this um, with Chiawana High School. Last year, there was a nonprofit at Chiawana High School that was helping provide food uh, and and hygiene products and things like that for for students and families that had needs in that respect. And that nonprofit is still operating in the Tri-Cities but wasn't able to have a staff member uh, here at Chiawana this year. And so in partnership with a teacher and a group of students, we as a church, and many of you have been involved in this process, have been able to ensure they still have a pantry full of food and, and things provided for kids that might need that. This is operating as a place, as a people of peace in our community. We've got a lot of room to grow. Please dream with us as we continue to to strive to be people of peace in this community. I was thinking also, though, of of organizations in the Tri-Cities that represent people of peace. And the one that I really want to highlight, even more than those that I mentioned that we partner with already, and one that we're considering and dreaming about entering into a deeper partnership with in 2024, is world relief. You see, because we're talking this morning about this strange inaugurated kingdom, this place of present but future talking about the peace of Christ coming into our world and our community and yet also seeing violence. And I just can't think of a place that I see that more clearly than in an organization like World Relief. Uh, rehousing refugees, partnering them with families and people that they might uh, not just move to the Tri-Cities, but make home in the Tri-Cities, right? Learn to, to live in a community, to be surrounded by neighbors, to find safety. But remember, peace doesn't just refer to the absence of violence that these refugees have escaped. It speaks to the wholeness that comes in knowing a new home, in knowing a new people. I think world relief and the work happening there, this represents for us what we dream of in this interim time. An organization that that recognizes the violence and brokenness in the world and then leans in with the love of Christ and offers wholeness, that offers new opportunity. So today, I want to zoom out and just consider the concept as a whole. Um, today's Advent, and we recognize Jesus came into this world to bring peace. We also recognize that Jesus will come again and bring fruition to the peace that he is currently bringing into the world. And in this interim season, you and I are invited uh, to be partners in Jesus' peace coming into this world, and seeing the kingdom of God come, his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray as we close. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for an opportunity to to be in your word. Uh, God, teach us your peace, spirit, Be our peace. And in this peace that is so fleeting and challenging in moments of life to experience, God, I pray that you will just fill us uh, with that spirit with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. God, will you fill us with those things? And will you invite us into places and into relationships in which we have opportunity to to represent, to demonstrate your peace in this world. God, where there is war and where there is violence, we pray that it would cease. And God, in this season, in which that still happens around us, teach us to be people of peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.